Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you, Big Book Study. My name is Lynn S., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Toronto, Canada. Today is Friday, December 22nd, 2017, and we are reading from the Big Book in Bill's story, page 7, the first paragraph, my brother-in-law, through two paragraphs ending, surely this was the answer, self-knowledge, and we'll be commenting on both. Today's readers are 12 Steps, Judy S., 12 Traditions, Nancy H., Readers of the Text, Maura Z., Barbara E., Janice P. M. The reference number for Thursday, December the 21st, 2017, the 7 a.m. meeting, 10823, and the 10 a.m. meeting, 10825. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Judy S. to read the 12 steps. Press star 1, Judy S. Okay, here I am. Sorry about that. This is Judy S. I'm a a compulsive overeater. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, We tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Judy S. 
and Nancy H. will read the 12 traditions. Good morning. This is Nancy H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overreader from Massachusetts. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, having anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service. Thank you, NTH. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive readers only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're in Bill's story, page seven, the first paragraph, my brother-in-law, through two paragraphs ending, surely this was the answer, self-knowledge, and we'll be commenting on both. Morazi, would you please begin reading for us? Thank you, Lynn S. Morazi recovered in Virginia. My brother-in-law is a physician, and through his kindness and that of my mother, I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. Under the so-called belladonna treatment, my brain cleared. Hydrotherapy and mild exercise helped much. Best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. It relieved me somewhat to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor. Though it often remains strong in other respects. 
My incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was explained. Understanding myself now, I fared forth in high hope. For three or four months, the goose hung high. I went to town regularly and even made a little money. Surely, this was the answer, self-knowledge. And starting my timer. So a few things um, come to me. Um, first of all, I finally had to look up what Belladonna was because I was sitting here for years thinking I had no idea what that was and it didn't, you know, matter. Well, it, it really was pretty harsh, horrific. Um, it, Belladonna is um, um, what they call a nightshade and it's poisonous. Um, and then they added um, the fluids from prickly ash and henbane. Also, not too terribly appetizing substances. Um, I, I can't even imagine what the, you know, what the desperation level is in order to go ahead and willingly take poison. Except that as I say that, I know exactly what that drive is. And I realized recently that I, I believed I'd never been driven to do anything in my life. And again, reading this, I'm realizing I was absolutely driven to the food. I was, I was, I was being driven by um, a power um, certainly greater than myself, but not a positive power. I was driven by the insane desire to consume foods and ingredients that made me crazy, that, you know, caused me to physically feel ill, that caused me to, you know, bang on the table and say, how did I get here again? Um, and it went on for years, for years. Um, my incredible behavior in the face of a desperate desire to stop was explained. And I felt like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde a lot of the time. I desperately wanted to stop. And I desperately had to have that next Kit Kat or whatever it was. There was, there was no third alternative for me, not until I came into this program. Self-knowledge was helpful. Self-knowledge, you know, gave my intellect something to chew on. I could understand this. But self-knowledge did not ever stop me from picking up the first bite. Never. Because the obsession is where that desire lives. And the obsession, even though I'll stop eating and I'm abstinent for, I don't know, 10 days, if I'm not treating the obsession, if I'm not pursuing a connection to a higher power, if I'm not growing that connection to a higher power, then I am screwed. And so what I've learned in these 12 steps and in this book is that 12 steps is the answer. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Maura Z. The floor is now open for sharing on what we just read. Please see the as it helps me to hear everyone. Who is Let me tell you. Let me tell you who I got because um, 
I didn't really hear anybody. I've got Nessa R, Leslie R, Matt M. There was somebody B. Barbara Elizabeth. E. Elizabeth B. Harlan G. Barbara you, E. I hear you, Barbara. Thank you. Thank Julie you. R. Marie J. Okay, let's stop there for a second, please. And I'll tell you who I have. Okay. I've got Elizabeth D, Matt M, Nessa R, Leslie R, Harlan G, and Barbara E. That'll be our first group. I also have Julie R and Marie J, and you can start off our second group. But let's start with Elizabeth D, followed by Matt M, and somebody is unmuted. So if we could all check our phones, please. And Elizabeth D, if you'd like to start off for us, that would be great. Thank you. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. My name is Elizabeth D. I am a uh, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater living in the Boston area. Uh, this is this is perhaps the most, for me, the most important uh, series of paragraphs um, um, in terms of my uh, understanding my relapse history and also uh, with through the grace of God finding my way out of that relapse. Um, self-knowledge. Surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. Uh, this time last year I was eating compulsively like I had never eaten compulsively before. This disease is progressive um, for me um, and each relapse got worse than the last one and in this particular relapse over the course from Thursday, from uh, Thanksgiving to Christmas, I put on close to 75 pounds. Um, and my daughter, 14-year-old daughter, was really getting worried about me. And uh, needless to say, I was not in the spirit of the holidays. I was in the, I was in the depths of despair and um, would wake up every morning with that sense of impending calamity. Um, it was yet another relapse, and I just thought maybe I'm just one of those people who's constitutionally incapable of, of getting this. Um, by just because of my desperation, not because of my willingness, because of my desperation, I reached out to a fellow, um, got myself entirely abstinent, and started working the steps again, and she recommended that I have a new experience of the steps. And I had another fellow um, in the course of doing that work say to me, she was listening to me talk, and I remember, I don't remember what I was saying to her, but I was saying things like, well, you know, I got to get my food plan right, and then I got to do this, and then I got to do that, and so forth. And she said to Elizabeth, stop. You want to be absent, you want to be other. What is going to be different this time? And I could not think of anything. And then she said to me, it sounds like you're still in your head. And then the, the dawn broke and I understood. Self-knowledge, the food plan, the right, quote, right sponsor, the number of meetings, etc., had always been my solution to this problem. In other words, you know, and, and I could get abstinent and I could stay abstinent for a year, sometimes two years, take off all the weight and then all of a sudden I'm in my head, my denial tells me, my, my mental obsession tells me that I'm cured. And the goose runs high, and I'm feeling great, and I understand myself, and I fare forth in high hope. And then 
then because I haven't addressed the mental obsession, um, that denial that tells me I'm normal, quote unquote, I go back into the food. So it's very, very clear to me that self-knowledge has its place. Um, but when I got the gift of desperation and I was truly, truly licked and had no more ideas about how, of my own. Um, and one of the things that she said to me that I'll never forget that this, this fellow on the line who was recovered said to me, she says, what's going to be different? You're still in your head. She said, you are be, you, this disease is beyond human aid. You've got to find a higher power to address the denial, to address the mental twist, to, do, to address all those, that, the forgetting, the fast forgetter that I've got in my head that makes me forget the horror of being in the food. It's just, this is the only way for me. And Fine, what, an inc- thank you, and what an incredible, amazing miracle that I get to live this life today. And I am so grateful. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you, Elizabeth B. Matt M., it's your turn, followed by Nessa R. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M., compulsive overeater. My brother-in-law, his brother-in-law is actually someone that actually likes him, likes Bill a lot. The rest of his, the rest of uh, Lois' family, Kate's guts, his his in-laws didn't care for him very much, and... uh, you know, those treatments that he goes the treatments that he went through are very drastic. You know, Bella like someone said Belladonna. Someone's unmuted. Belladonna is poison, so we think he's taking poison and he's also doing hydrotherapy. I don't know exactly what that entails, but it could be dunking into a tub or something. But uh he met a kind doctor when he was in the hospital, the talent hospital he wound in there. And he met Doctor Silkworth who actually told him that he had even though he was actually um once the deficient, his body had the physical allergy, so he got self knowledge. That would fix it. He got really cocky. I don't know about you, when I'm struggling and I'm struggling with my emotions and my feelings now, my, my, my ego and my cockiness is up, is up in the rafters, and I have to bring myself down. Otherwise, how do I get my head through the door? You know, I think, I got this. That attitude of, I got this, I can do this on my own kind of attitude that comes up and that, that Bill is experiencing right now after he got, after his brain cleared enough to end up thinking clearly. He's thinking, wow, Dr. Silkworth gave me all this wonderful knowledge about my disease. Now I know, I know what the problem is, but I can get this just because I know what the problem is. I can do this on my own. And that This is a lead program. If we were able to do this on their own, I thought if I was able to do this on my own, I would have done it years ago. I never would have gone up to 700 pounds almost. I never would have been up such heavy high weights and my body was shutting down slowly. I was wanting to go to hospital after hospital. So, for me, the goose hung high for a while with my ego, and I had to let that go. Easing got out. That's what ego means. So I see ego over this with Bill. He's still, he's still thinking. He's still thinking of himself a lot. He's really being selfish and self-centered. And I hear, I hear the, I hear the ego when he's talking. And that I'll pass. Thank you, Madam Nessa R. It's your turn, followed by Leslie R. Thank you, and good morning, wishing for you. This is Nessa R. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, the phrase that caught me today was uh, strong in other respects um, because in, from my, I would say, late teens to mid-20s, nobody could have looked at me and guessed that there was something um, wrong with me uh, or my food. Um, I was thin. Um, I was doing well in school. You know, I graduated uh, with top honors from high school. I graduated summa cum laude with uh, 
top honors from my uh, university. I was admitted to an Ivy League um, uh, MBA uh, program in New York at the age of 20. Uh, at age of 22, I had a very high-powered, high, uh, highly paid job um, um, on Wall Street. Uh, I had lots of friends. I uh, worked hard and I played hard. But what people didn't know uh, was what I was doing with food and what I was doing to stay thin, you know, the, the restriction of food, the binging and the purging, the exercise bulimia. And, you know, and that worked for a while and I felt great. I felt great because, you know, the, the world told me I was great. But that kind of, um, you know, fell apart at the seams and I, and I crashed and burned. You know, after a while, I was not able to, to purge anymore because I lost my gag reflex. Uh, but I couldn't stop the binging. Um, I couldn't uh, restrict anymore. So the weight started to pile on. Um, my mood deteriorated. My relationships deteriorated. I moved several times. You know, I went from um, where I lived in South America to, to Boston briefly, to Philadelphia, to New York, to Toronto. And, you know, and wherever I went, there I was, me and my disease. And, uh, you know, I was passed up for uh, promotions. Eventually, I was fired. Uh, my husband and I uh, fought constantly over my weight. It's the only thing that we ever, ever fought over. We never thought about finances or the children or anything else. It was all about my weight. Um, and you know what? I, I, I thank God for all that because if I could have continued living the way I was living in my late teens and, and, and uh, in the mid-20s, I probably wouldn't be here. You know, I was, in, in a way, kind of being able to eat with impunity. And uh, um, I would have deprived myself of this amazing recovery. You know, and because I was uh, instructed to abstain 100% of my trigger foods and I was taken quickly to the steps and I recovered as a result of this beautiful program, God saw it fit to transform my personality so that I would no longer depend on the food for a sense of ease and comfort, and now I depend on God for a sense of ease and comfort, and I have, a, I have a normal body, I have beautiful relationships, I have a new perspective on life and new priorities, obviously, uh, I'm no longer the priority, other people in God are the priority, it makes me incredibly, incredibly happy. Uh, I no longer have a high-powered job or, or, or a lot of money, but you know what? I wouldn't trade this life for anything in the world. I mean, there is not a bite of food. Um, there's nothing in this world that would make me um, give all this up because, you know what? It, it was so much better than what I had in my late teens Fine, and early 20, in late 20s, and with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Leslie R., it's your turn, followed by Harlan G. Press star one, Leslie. Okay, don't hear Leslie. Harlan, can you step in, please? Am I up? Yep, there you are. Thanks, Harlan. Okay. Hi, right, thank you. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. And I want to thank Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. What we're reading this morning is the beginning of the beginning 
of the beginning. We're looking at God and the constellation of his munificence, his, his benevolence, moving through the freezing cold, sh- shivering cave of alcoholism and addiction. My brother-in-law is a physician. That's Dr. Len Strong, as was just said. And through the kindness of my mother, his mother was an osteopathic physician in Boston, Massachusetts. She later settled in San Diego, California. I was placed in a nationally known hospital for the mental and physical rehabilitation of alcoholics. Let's stop right there. The standard treatment of care at that time in all the other hospitals that we are familiar with would have turned Bill out with nothing in the way of a knowledge of what his problem was. He would have been perked up by food and medicine and they would have tended to his medical needs and he would have been treated with a lecture that he needs to exercise more willpower, just like we were told, he needs to buck up and he needs to push himself away from the table, just like we were told, and not drink so much. And that would have, would have done nothing. But of all the hospitals, he gets thrown into the Towns Hospital in New York City, which was very expensive at that time. And, and under the so-called Belladonna treatment, which we've talked about, Best of all, I met a a kind doctor. Now, who does he come under the care of? He comes under the care of the medical director at the Towns Hospital, Dr. William Duncan Silkworth. And Dr. Silkworth had been observing drinkers and alcoholics for several years and came up with his theory of the physical allergy and the mental twist. And he imparts this message onto Bill. He had been seriously ill bodily, the allergy, mentally, the twist. So what are we talking about here? We're talking about step one, and we are talking about Bill getting the knowledge of the problem. Now, next week, we're going to talk about and read about Bill getting the knowledge of the solution. But for right now, Bill doesn't know about a solution. Many of us didn't know about the problem or the solution or any of it. We just kept trying to diet with group support or diet alone. And of the 300 people approximately that are gathered here this morning, there are probably more diets than a calculator could count that we've all tried. What a miracle. And then it says here, it relieved me to learn that in alcoholics, the will is amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor, though it remains strong in other respects. I wish I had the time to get to know every one of you and to hear your special stories and to hear the magnificent things that you've accomplished in your life. My hair would stand on end because some of you have accomplished unbelievable things. But there's one thing you've never been able to accomplish, I'm going to assume. You've never been able to control the amount of milk duds or Kit Kat bars that you've eaten once you've started because of the physical allergy, if you have it. And you've never been able to stay away from cake cookies and Kit Kat bars now that you want to because of the buildup of emotions which triggers the mental twist. And if you have the mental twist and you have that physical allergy, you are a compulsive overeater like me. 
step Fine, one. Please. And that's enough out of me for today. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan G. Barbara E., it's your turn, and we'll try Leslie R. again after you. Thank you so much. May I be heard? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you so much for being there for us, Lynn Lynn S., correct? Okay. Well, Bill was told that he had been selfish and he'd also been bodily and mentally ill. I, too, like Bill, was selfish. I'd not been present to do things with my friends and family, preferring to isolate with my best frenemy. I spent my whole life refusing to accept, like Bill, that I was powerless to control my compulsion to overeat, to eat anything I could get my hands on, as long as as it was a lot. I was able to lose weight. I had a PhD in losing weight. I also was able to gain weight, too, rapidly. I had a second PhD in that, which led me to cockiness. Like Bill, I was armed with the knowledge after losing the weight to do it on my own, but inevitably I'd start eating compulsively all over again. In shame, I again isolated from the world and abused my body with food. I was one of those brilliant people who thought I could try some controlled eating. That was a total humiliating disaster. But like Bill, I continued to believe that self-knowledge was enough. I would succeed. Eventually, the cravings, the compulsion came back, and the binges came back, followed by that remorse and depression, and once again, the fierce determination. But the cravings and binges lasted longer and longer and required more and more food to help me cope with life. I was committing suicide, all right, by fork. And when I crawled into OA 20 years ago, I was told I had to get a food plan. I had to get a sponsor. I had to read, write, use the fellowship by making phone calls and pray. That last item had me stumped. I had no knowledge of God, but I was told to pray anyway, so I did. And here comes my solution. One day, I thought I was going crazy because I heard Trust me, I've got your back. And those words still keep repeating in my head every single morning as I say my prayer. I didn't come here to be transformed. But like to, to my surprise, like Bill, I was gradually going to be willing to walk across that bridge of skepticism to one of faith and finally accepting defeat and my personal higher power so that I could remain happily neutral around food. But I had to use that big book. Unlike, oh, thank you. More to be revealed. Thank you so much for today. I look forward to the rest of you. Bye. Thank you, Barbara E. And Leslie R., are you back online? No? Okay, thanks. For those of us just coming on the line, we're in Bill's story on page 7. My brother-in-law is a physician, reading through until surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. And starting off our second group, we have Julie R. and Marie J., 
Who else would like to share, please? Lisa B. Lauren N. Lauren Lisa N. M- Melissa C. Kim Okay, I have Julie R. Marie J. Lisa B. Lauren N. And Melissa C. Let's go with that group. Julie R., could you start us off, please, followed by Marie J. Hi, thank you. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. So I'm just going to identify in. So where, where do I see myself? The last sentence of the first paragraph we read, I had been seriously ill, bodily and mentally. So, you know, there's the twofold illness right there. It's not just talking about my morbid obesity and my the pain that I endured because I, you know, I waddled and all of that stuff. It's talking about the mental, the mental hell that I, I lived with. And, you know, I I lived with that mental hell regardless if I was 300 pounds or 130 pounds because obviously the the greater aspect of my disease, right, centers in my mind, not in my my body. But another thing is about the self-will. You know, I am a very strong, determined woman. I don't do anything um, 100%. I have to do it two or three times more. And I tried to do that and I was successful with dieting when I, or, you know, abstinence only. And, you know, when I, when I understood when I went to OA and I learned that I was a compulsive overeater, you know, all was well for a while until it wasn't because, you know, obviously I didn't enlarge my spiritual life, but self-knowledge didn't do anything for me. It didn't keep me from picking up. It didn't keep me from doing things that um, would hurt people. It didn't keep me from being dishonest. It didn't keep me from being a workaholic. All it kept me was in more pain because it was like, how could I do this again? How could you go eat at you know a fast food restaurant full knowing that you're going to binge? None of that stopped me because when I'm in that obsession, that's all I know. I am mandated to eat. It's eat, eat, eat. I don't even know anything else. And once I get to that part, you know, we hear people say this on the line, I'm, I'm screwed because I can't get out of it. So, you know, self-will, self-knowledge. In other areas of my life, self-knowledge is great. When I'm reading a 100-page contract, my knowledge really helps out with that. But self-knowledge didn't do anything when it came to the compulsive overeating. And, uh, you know, I fared forth in high hope when I was, quote, unquote, abstinent again. And I wasn't white knuckling. I mean, you know, the obsession was removed. Or so I thought. It was still me running the show. And, um, And then all of a sudden, I wouldn't talk anymore about my abstinence. I wouldn't talk about what I was doing because I was face down in the food. Thank God. I know self-knowledge doesn't mean anything. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Julie R. Marie J., it's your turn, followed by Lisa B. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Thanks. This is Marie J., recovered in Colorado, and really grateful for this call this morning. Um, The goose hung high, and we call that the pink bubble. Um, I had that for my first year. I was going to six meetings a week, and I was losing weight. I'm staying abstinent, and it all felt really easy, and I had it. 
and I just got lots of praise. I got admiration. My ego was in charge, and everyone wanted to know what was I doing, how could they get what I had, but it was all ego, and even though I was working the steps, I was just coming from this really powerful place of self-knowledge. I got this, and I wasn't in any kind of humility or surrender, and then, you know, when the attention stopped, I had no foundation because I was just relying on humans outside of me to fill me up and affirm me, and I didn't have a relationship or an experience of higher power. And I had to go through some dark times and some relapse to get to my bottom. And my bottom, I realized, was in my head. It was in my ego, and my disease was in the driver's seat, and that was all really head-focused. It was all self-knowledge-focused, and that's what Bill's talking about here, all this self-knowledge. I was cocky inside, and I had self-humility on the outside. I was fake about my humility and my surrender, and I was completely self-reliant. And I was 90 pounds thinner, but I wasn't any happier. And in recovery, I needed to get from self-knowledge in my head to an experience of higher power. Not knowledge of higher power, but an actual experience of higher power in my heart. And I had to get to real humility. And I had to hit a hard bottom in order to get to that humility. And it took practice. It took practice to get there, and I had to work on not relying on myself because every day my disease wants to get involved. Every day my ego wants to be in charge, and that's all self-reliance where I'm going to just be powerless. God can't get in when I'm in charge, and self-knowledge is me being in charge. So today my daily practice is surrendering to higher power, and I still take my will back a lot, and I, I still know that every day when I'm grabbing my will and going into self-reliance, I have what's different now, and that is clarity. I can see what's happening, and I can do my practice every day that allows me to move back toward God when I'm in self-knowledge and when I'm in charge. And this is what recovery is. It's one day at a time. I can surrender to the best of my ability and allow an experience of God just for today and know that I'm going to be human and pull it back and then get it back and pull it back and then allow God back in. And that's recovery. I'm in recovery because I'm abstinent and staying in contact with God. Thank you. Thank you, Marie J. Lisa B., it's your turn, followed by Lauren N. Good morning, Lynn. Can you hear me? This is Lisa. Yes, thank you. Thank you for your service. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. This is one of those readings that it's just like I wish I could just go blah, you know, and everything would be said because there's so much identification here. And I'll start from the bottom and I'll make my work my way up. Self-knowledge. I have an addiction to myself and I kind of look at self-knowledge as self-reliance. And self-reliance is the death of me. I really believe, just like in step seven, it says, the notion that we would still live our own lives, God helping a little now and then, you know, and that's really how I thought. I thought I could, like, I was like it, you know, it, even though I thought I was a spiritual person. And um, then I love where he talks about um, Dr. Silkworth saying, you know, he was seriously ill. And as an untreated compulsive overeater, I can live decades as an untreated compulsive overeater, you know, working, having a family, 
you know, and just still being seriously ill, but it goes underground, that seriously ill part, that spiritual malady, and I don't always see it, but it's it's just causing havoc. And God, my higher power, is the harmonizer, is the one that brings harmony and freedom. But I need to do the steps. I need to get abstinent and do the steps to let that harmony and that freedom from this power that's greater than me, that's unseen, you know, to come in. And also the other identification is about going to these facilities um, through the kindness of my parents and good insurance. At that time, I was able to go to a very good facility, um, but either I just didn't hear it or it wasn't told, but the doctor's opinion is what really set me on my path and gave me strong, um, a strong ability to get recovered. I began to understand from coming to a vision for you about the allergy of the body and that mental obsession. And the other thing I love is that word kindness. It means quality of being friendly generous, considerate, concern, care. And I know today that by being abstinent and recovered, that is the kinder, that's the easier, softer way to live. And I just want to share that my brother went into those facilities. That was my first experience with those facilities. He went in for cocaine addiction. And I would see the light in the eyes of his counselors. They were active members of AA. And I liked what I saw in those recovered members that worked with him. But I know today that food addiction is just like alcoholism and just as serious as drug addiction, that I need to treat it with that same respect. Um, it's like I'm dying, you know, from a drug addict or an alcoholic would treat their um, their allergy, which mine happens to be food. And the other thing I just felt led to share is about having a new experience you know, um, that I get from these steps? Am I trying to live on an experience that I had last month, last week, or last year? Every day as an addict, I need to be open to having a new experience through these steps. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lisa B. Lauren N., it's your turn, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Lauren N. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. I am Lauren Ann, a compulsive overeater, sugar addict in New York, and recovering one day at a time, thank God. Um, I can so relate to um, Bill's story, him being so sick that, you know, in the hospital and with no outlook. I'm... um, my food addiction had gotten so bad, I had diabetes and was giving myself four shots a day, one of insulin. I was on meds like crazy. I was going for my second abdominal uh, surgery. I had flat band surgery when I was in my late 30s, and I had the um, sleeve done, removed the lap band and the sleeve done in my early 50s. And I still hadn't gotten it. I, the cure was that I was going to have the, the, the ruin Y so that I wouldn't have diabetes anymore. Wow. I'm so glad I was too fat to have the ruin Y done. Who would have thunk? Because today, I realized that all those surgeries, they just fixed the outside. They didn't fix the brain. They didn't fix my head. 
Thank God today I am found this program and recovered one day at a time. And it's okay to have feelings and it's okay to feel lousy. I went to a, a wake yesterday for someone who was in this program. It's on the layaway plan, as I've heard you all say. She was in the rooms for over 30 years, and it brought up such sadness for me that someone who I cared about died, and she didn't die from, as we know, people don't die from being obese. She died from something physical. But I feel so sad, and I'm so glad I found my way to this room, because with your help, with the help of the fellowship on this line, I realize it's okay to have feelings, and it's okay to be alive and feel alive. And I thank you all for being here. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Lauren N. And Melissa C., it's your turn. Hi. Good morning, Lynn. Thank you for your service. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I remember when I first came into OA, and um, there was tremendous relief when I heard I was it was like, oh, okay, all right, you know, now I get it, and, and, um, and so I was able to say, like, it's not that I'm bad, but it's that I'm ill, and, um, and so then the next thing I said to myself was, okay, then I will just never eat X, Y, and Z again, and, and, and that was about all I got. You know, and I worked a program of a food plan. And, you know, I was able somehow to stay away from the food for a certain number of years. And then self-knowledge is not enough. You know, it, it's, it's as if you go to the doctor. Um, I was thinking about this this morning. Like, if, if I go to the doctor because I'm sick, you know, maybe I've got, like, strep throat or something. And I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, yeah, Melissa, you've got strep throat, and I leave. <laughs> and I say, oh, okay, great, now the strep throat's gone. Um, no, just knowing you have it isn't enough to keep you um, well. You know, it's not enough. It's like if you go to the doctor, you find out what you have, and you get a prescription, but you don't fill it. <laughs> you know, or you get the prescription, and you fill it, but you don't take it. You know, or... You get the prescription, you fill it, you take it, but not the way it's directed, you know, not fully, not thoroughly, um, you don't get recovered. You don't get cured. And with the structure, and so it's really the same thing with this. If I only know that what I have, um, you know, is a disease, but I don't do anything else about it, knowing that I have this disease, this condition. Thing for me. And that's been my experience. I needed 
a complete overhaul. I needed to um, lay aside everything I think I knew about myself, my food, my life, the way I was supposed to live, right and wrong. That was a really big one for me. Um, and accept the fact that I am broken, that I have a form of insanity, I have a mental illness um, and an allergy, and that the two of them together means that I needed a, a total overhaul. I needed like a brain I transplant. And um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Okay, the floor is open again. Please say your name just once. I'm having a little technical difficulty with Linda the R. This is Larry. Reva P. Kim G from South Jersey. Sorry, all I got was somebody R. Can we try again? Jackson. Linda R. Ginger C. Reva P. Larry. Sorry, Leah, I'm going to need some help. Oh, great, thank you. I'm getting help now. It's Ginger and Larry. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Okay, great. I've got three people. Let's try this. We've got Ginger, Larry K., and Reva P. Let's see how we do. Ginger, can you start us off, please? The vision is so good, Jody. Are you there, Ginger? How about Larry Kay? It must be me. Maybe I'm kicked off. It's Ginger C. We can hear you. It's Ginger C. Are you there? I am. Can you hear me? I can now. Yeah, please go ahead. Hi, good morning, everyone, and thank you so much for moderating and doing service. This is Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. And um, I'm just going to look at this, you know, self-knowledge and this definition piece. Um, You know, I think I'm a pretty strong person and I'm pretty capable. And unfortunately, with any of my addictions, I have zero willpower. Um, You know, I I, I thought I could manage this. I thought I could do this, again, because of that component. But the only defense between me and this elbow that wants to uh, bend and pick up that first bite is God. And, and I'm so grateful for, for that because it's amazing when I finally surrendered to this disease that definitely progresses and takes us to unbelievable places, what can happen and what can unfold. Um, so, you know, I just, my message is for anyone that's suffering and still in the line, you know, I just hope you can surrender and completely let go of the wheel and then get into action like your life depends on it because we need an entire psychic change, this personality change, and the only thing that will allow that is this work in this book, these clear-cut directions, following it precisely, exactly. And what happens is unbelievable. And the 10th step tells us it happens automatically. All I did was gotten beaten down by the food. Thank God for every beautiful bite because one less, and I may not be here sharing this message with you this morning. And thank God that I was willing to go to any lengths for victory over this disease because it was killing and it was robbing me and I'm not allowing it one more second of my life. It's taken way too much already. But self-knowledge, this, pers- you know, this person that I think I am, this strong person able to do these things, my abilities, my character, who I am, 
That's never going to get me anywhere. Self-knowledge avails me nothing. I need that defense, and that comes from a higher power. And I pray everyone is able to find that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. And Larry K., it's your turn, followed by Reva P. And if we could watch the time, please, we'll be able to get both people in. Yeah, I'll make it real short. Uh, this is Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. You know, I, I can't, I can't think my way out of this. I tried. I, I used to go to Barnes and Noble or the library, and you'd find me in the self-help section, in the psychology section, and I, I love to read. I bet I'm not the only one. You know, there was a lot of trying to uncover. I bet Bill tried to uncover a lot of things and peel away the layers of the onion. It's very I'm a, I'm a curious sort of guy. Um, there's, there's, there's something very pleasurable about doing that. Um, the problem was, you know, for me, um, step two, you know, I, 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 don't, I, think, I think I gave it kind of short shrift. You know, I didn't really give it, I really just didn't, couldn't embrace the idea that there may be a power. You know, either God is or God isn't, right? We learned that in the big book. If God isn't, if there is no power outside of me, we're spinning our wheels. We're, we're, we're operating every morning on a, on a foundation of fiction, delusion. I can't prove to you what happened to me in any tangible sense. My, I mean, gosh, the skinniest person in the room isn't the, the, the healthiest, right? So that's, that, that's not the evidence. I just know what happened to me. And I choose to believe every day that there was a power greater than me that restored me to sanity. Self-knowledge availed me nothing. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry Kay. And Reva P., you're up, and you've got two minutes, please. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. Two things. I ended up getting admitted to the top research hospital in Toronto, for eating disorders. I had all kinds of research articles, the most up-to-date information about this disease. And I got to tell you, it wasn't as clear as the diagnosis description and the doctor's opinion. But the main thing I wanted to share was about the self-knowledge um, within the rooms in recovery. Because I can know that I'm resentful. I can know that I'm scared. I can know what the big book says in my head. But if I don't do the work, information, I love some one of our members says, information is not transformation. I can know this big book inside and out, but if I don't do it and I don't know from experience and I don't get still and access the power from experience, it means absolutely nothing. So um, this is just a great reminder that I can know the history, the book, the the, the methods, the sheets to use, but unless I do it and experience the psychic change, I'm not going to be recovered. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P., and thank you to everyone who shared. And to Team Friday, Judy S., Nancy H., Maura Z., Barbara E., Janice P.M., Lauren N., and Susie K., Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the closing. The share ID for today, Friday, December 22nd, 2017, is 10828. 
We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Barbara E., will you please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who's still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.